Amen. Thank you. You may be seated for just a moment. My name is uh, Mark Brown, and uh, I come as a, to you this morning as a representative of our finance committee with a praise report. How about that? Yes, a praise report. I want to give you, uh, Ryan, if you would put that visual up on the screen here. Oh, it is. Okay, thank you. I didn't realize that. I was looking up here. Okay. Thank you. I want to give you a uh, financial update for our church. We are uh, 22 weeks through through the end of February. We're we're 22 weeks into our year. Five months. Okay? Now, our budget for this current year is $864,000. I'm just going to round it, okay? You can see it up there. And that equals $16,618 dollars per week okay and that's how much we budgeted to spend so far through february our receipts have been three hundred and forty six thousand six thirty our expenses three forty four oh seventy five we are about five percent under uh, but that's okay we are um, right where right where we are and um not worried about that. I'm not worried about that at all. Um, how do we spend God's money? How do we spend God's money? Let's talk about that just for a brief moment here. Uh, if you break down our, sal- our budget into four major categories, salaries, buildings and grounds, operating ministries, and then what I call missions out. Okay? You can see the breakdown of our, of our spending so far this year. In those categories. Now, our salaries, that includes our, our whole staff, which is uh, Dale and Scott and Matt, Donna, Lucia, Sam, uh, and the expenses that go with them. And um, so that makes up about 46% of our spending. And then if you look at our building and grounds, that obviously includes our building payment and uh, our utilities, our repairs and maintenance, our grounds maintenance, which includes our cemetery. And um, sometimes just go out and stand in the middle of that cemetery and just do a 360 degree and think about cutting all that grass. It's a lot. It's a lot. And um, so, and, and also includes cleaning, cleaning their building, the janitorial. That is about 31% of our spending in that neighborhood. Our operating ministries. Now, you can say, what is our operating ministries? Well, that's youth and children, music, our online ministry, which is a a big change for us this year, over the past year, our literature, our supplies, and our emergency fund. You say, we have an emergency fund? Yes, we do. And we started this several years ago, and now we have about 130 $3,000 $3,000 in our emergency fund. And that's, that's exactly what it's for, is for emergencies. If we have an uh, air conditioner unit that goes out, uh, that's a big expense, okay? That's where we'll go. We, we used to not have that. And so we're very thankful that, um, that we took steps years ago to set this up. And then finally, our mission's out. That's about 13% of our budget. And a lot of this budget is based on the percent of our giving, okay? That's how we, our strategy there is we use a percent of our giving to determine exactly how much we give on a monthly basis. For example, uh, Missions Out includes what we call the cooperative program, which is the South Carolina Baptist Convention, okay? The Spartanburg Network is another. This, that is a group of churches which we're a part of in Spartanburg County. Baptist churches. We have the, the churches in Utah. Uh, we give to them monthly. Uh, we give to the church in Goose Creek monthly. Okay? Uh, we give on a one time a year, we, we make a gift to the Connie Maxwell Children's Home, which is a wonderful organization. It's a wonderful organization. And then we have benevolence, which uh, 
we help families, needy families. And I want to remind you of something. And I want to ask you, as a body of believers, to pray about this. Last January, not too long ago, on Sacrifice Sunday, we took up an offering specifically for helping needy families. Okay? And we, we gathered a little over $7,000 that day. And we have uh, our, our benevolence team, which Donna Tucker is over our benevolence team. Uh, they, I know that they have helped one family out right now. Okay? And what I, what I would like to ask you all to do is be aware. Pray. Ask God to lead you and, and make, make us make known to Donna situations that only you may know about. If you know of a, of a, of a needy family, somebody that's truly in need, then please let Donna, call the church office and let Donna know that. So that we can, they can investigate and and then see what we can do to help in that situation. So that's my report to you this morning. I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you from the finance team for all of you who were obedient and faithful givers to Popper Springs Baptist Church. The finance team includes myself, Rick Thompson, uh, Rebecca Lipford, and Doug Knight. And we thank you so much, and um, we encourage you to pray for God's provision, continuing provision for Poplar Springs Baptist Church. Thank you, and praise God. Amen. Thank you, Brother Mark, for that. Hey, listen, I want to tell you a couple of things as we start to worship again, that uh, that is a time of worship when we see what God is doing in our midst, and we can thank Him for all that He is doing. We had a great teacher's gathering yesterday. I think we had uh, all but one or two classes that were represented and had some great uh, times together, and looking forward to doing that at least three times a year. Also, I want to say, if you are our guest today for the first time or the first time in a long while, immediately following the service today, Day. Uh, Joey, you'll notice him. He's the biggest man in the choir, um, uh, the jolly giant. He and his wife will be out at the welcome desk, and we'd like to introduce you to PS 101. It'll tell you all about our church, who we are, what we believe, the God we serve, and uh, you will, you'll need to get with him to get enrolled in that so you can find out all about us. And so we're just so happy to have you here today. You know, this morning as I got up, the sun was shining. It was a little bit brisk, but when I walked outside, I thought, I cannot wait to get to the house of the Lord. And I thought about the psalmist who said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Today, as you're standing, go ahead and stand. I want us to think about, you know, we're in the book of Genesis, and we're in an Alpha and Omega uh, teaching and sermon series where we take uh, the books from the New Testament and books from the Old Testament. And at the very end of the service today, don't miss it, the choir is singing a song, Alpha and Omega. You don't want to miss that. But today I was thinking how glad I am just to be alive And do you know that before I was ever born that God knew me? It says before I was born. His word teaches me that before I was born, he knew me. And that I am fearfully and wonderfully made by him. And so are you, and so are you. And aren't you glad for what he's done? This song is called Canvas and Clay. It'll be new to you, but you'll catch on. It's pretty repetitious. I want you to listen for a moment, then you'll sing with us. with your hand known and loved by you before I took a breath when I doubted Lord remind me I'm wonderfully made you're an artist and a potter I'm the canvas and the clay and you make all Together for your 
standing for the reading of the Word of God this morning. Good morning. If you would please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. This morning we're going to be reading from verses 1 through 14. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him. There is a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you, and it's good to be in this pulpit today and be able to share a story with you that I find extremely amazing, an amazing story. I want to talk to you today about having Abraham faith. And if you don't remember anything else I say to you today, I hope you'll catch on to that phrase, and I hope you'll think about that, because the story that was just read to you was a remarkable story. In fact, it's a story that a lot of people sometimes when they read over it, they don't pay a lot of attention to exactly what is going on. But one of the things that we find out in this particular story is a man who had true faith in God. Now I want to ask you a question. Why did you come here to church today? Why are you here? What are you expecting? And how has your week been this week? Have you been someone that has lived your life with true faith in God? Did you come here today for this worship service having true faith in God, believing that something powerful, something unusual was going to happen? Are you an individual that in the last few months of your life have been trusting in yourself and trusting in your own ideologies and your own philosophies and your own way of living life? Or are you someone that has been living your life by faith? 
Faith is not an easy thing to do. And in fact, you know one of the most remarkable things about the Scripture that uh, was just read to you? If you take your passage, if you take your Bible, and I hope you do have your Bibles, I want to tell you something that I'm going to do a lot here in this year especially. You know, a lot of times we put things on the screen. But there's going to be a lot of passages of Scripture that I'm going to be sharing with you in the days ahead in this year. And if you don't have a Bible, if you want to look it up on your phone, you can, you can do that, whatever. But you need the Word of God in your hands as we worship God. So, so as you read through the Bible today, here's one particular verse I want to point out to you before I get really into the details of this message. But when you look in Genesis chapter 22... And then you look at verse 5, it says this, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, the boy and I will go over there to worship, then we will come back. Abraham was about to take his son to the mountain to be sacrificed. He was being obedient to God. Now, now one of the things you've got to understand is, is you've got to understand the faith of Abraham before you can understand this story. But one of the things that Abraham, a passage that is many times ignored, in Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, that Chris just read to you, that when he was about to go to that mountaintop to sacrifice that boy, Abraham said to his slaves as he left them behind, along with the animals, we will be back. Have you ever noticed that in that story? Have you ever paid attention to that? Because here was a man who was about to take his son to be sacrificed, but he, he said, as he was going up that mountain, y'all stay right here, but we'll be back. We'll be back. Abraham had a faith in God that a lot of people do not have. They just don't possess it. They don't really even understand what true faith is all about because they really don't understand the story of Abraham. But when you hear this particular story and you see that here's a man who is taking his only child up onto a mountain to sacrifice him, to be obedient to God, first of all, that sounds bizarre. A lot of us have a problem with that when we think about that. Why would God do that in the first place? Well, first of all, you've got to go back in Genesis and you've really got to understand this full story before we get to chapter 22. And one of the things that you will see is that this story teaches us how we can have true faith in God. How that we can have an Abraham kind of faith in our life. But where does that kind of faith start off? Well, if you will take your Bible and you'll flip over to Genesis chapter 12, one of the things that you'll see when you look in verses 1 through 3 there, you'll see that something unusual is happening in those passages of Scripture. It's the first time that God comes to Abraham. It's the first time that Abraham meets God. And by the way, Abraham is going to meet God several times. And here's a question I want to ask all of y'all. Do y'all, do y'all believe that we can meet God? Do y'all believe that we can have an encounter with God? That we can really know who God is? I hope you do. Because Abraham is setting a precedence for us. But in that first Genesis chapter 12, when you look at verses 1 through 3, it says this, The Lord had said to Abram. Now, his name is Abram in the beginning, and it will be changed to Abraham in, in a little bit. We'll get to that. But the Lord, He came to Abram, and He said, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, here's what is so interesting about when someone really meets God, like Abraham did. If you'll pay close attention in the next few verses... I want you to notice how many times that when Abraham met God, what God said that he would do for Abraham. I want you to listen to the phrase, I will. And this is God telling Abraham, I will do this. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. 
And then there's one phrase here where God turns to Abraham and only once in this whole passage of Scripture that I'm reading to you where it says that you will. And then it says this, after God says to Abraham three times, I will do these things, He then turns to Abraham and He says, and you will be a blessing. Do you see what God is saying right here in this passage of Scripture? It's that when we have the kind of relationship with God where God is in charge of it and God is doing the business, that when it comes time that God has encountered, we've encountered God like Abraham at least three times where God said, I will, I will, I will. Then God said to Abraham, then He said to him, then you will. What will you be? He said, you'll be a blessing. Think about this for just a minute. In those moments in our life when we meet God, when we encounter God, when we come to know who He truly is, God will tell us, just like He said to Abraham, I will do great things in your life. I will change your life. I will do something that you can't do. And then when we have those moments in our life where God is saying that He will do those things, then God says, when you allow me to do the things that I can do in your life, then you will become a blessing to other people. Have you ever thought about that? About being a blessing to other people? What could that be like in our life? And then the Scripture goes on in verse 3, and God says again, He says, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse them. And then He says this, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. When we come to know God like Abraham did, And Abraham is faced with a challenge in his life where he is taking his only son to a mountaintop to sacrifice him to this one and only God. You see, Abraham's fate did not start with that event where he was taking that child up onto that mountain. Abraham's fate started back in Genesis chapter 12 where God came into his life and Abraham knew that God would do things for him. I want to ask you something. How's your week been this week? How's it been going? Have you had a good week? you had a bad week? you had a challenged week? But here's a question I want to ask you and I want you to think about and I want you to roll it, roll it over in your mind. How many times this week have you felt the presence of God in your life where you've heard the voice of God saying to you, I will do good things for you? Some people don't hear that at all in their week. And the reason that they don't hear it is because they're not willing to listen to God. They're, they're too busy. They're either on their phone. Hey, listen, I'll tell you one of the best things I did yesterday. I didn't touch my phone yesterday. Hardly. Now, my, my wife, Shelly, she brought the hammer down on me and told me I, I just need to get off stuff altogether. But I did it. And, and do you know, it is an amazing thing how God can speak to you when you get off that stupid phone. That was a big amen from. Was that Joyce Oliver on that? That's Joyce. All right, Joyce, you keep amening me back there. All right, I get fired up here this morning, folks. I want to tell you something. There have to be those moments in our time where we are silent with God and we allow God to speak to us, and we will hear like Abraham did. When we come to know God like Abraham knew God, we will understand that we will hear the voice of God, where God is saying, "I will, I will." I will, I will, I will, if you will allow me to do that. And that's what being born again is all about. That's what it means to come to know God for who He truly is. And so we see that, that Abraham understood God's calling in his life. And I want to ask you something. Have you ever experienced the call of God in your life? A lot of you have because you've given your life to the Lord through His Son, Jesus Christ. You heard that call of God in your life. But let me tell you something that you need to grab onto and you need to understand. That call of God never ceases. It never stops. But that moment when you invited Christ into your heart and you became a Christian, don't think that that's where it ended because the call of Abraham didn't stop there. And that brings us to the next passage of Scripture. That was chapter 12. Flip in your Bibles and look over in Genesis chapter 13. There's, there's some things I want to highlight there for you. And I want you to think about not only does God call us, but God also provides for us in our life. God's provisions are real. 
The Lord said to Abraham in verse 14, The Lord said to Abraham after Lot had parted from him, Look around from where you are to the north and to the south, to the east and to the west. And here's the key I want you to look at, verse 15 of chapter 22. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring would be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Do you know our God is in control of all of this? Some of you may not believe that right now. Some of you may think that those senators up there in D.C. are in charge of this and those congressmen are in charge of it. And you're just wringing your hands and you're wondering, where are we going? What are we going to do with all of this? But i got news for you. Our God is in control of this entire world. And you need not fret about that. You need not worry. Now, if that's where you concentrate and that's where you think on, that's where you're going to worry. That's where you're going to uh, put, put all your weight. But if you believe in the Word of God and you believe in the Son, Jesus Christ, that came to this earth, and you believe in the Father who created all of this, Abraham understood not only would God call him into his family, but the second thing that we learn about Abraham is that God does provide for us. Some of you are wringing your hands right now wondering, what am I going to do with this part of my life right now that I don't have any control over? Let me ask you something. Have you asked for God's provision to take control of that? Some of you are trying to raise teenagers in this conflicting world that we're living in right now. And I want to ask you a question. What are you doing about that? I've got to tell you, the teenagers that you're raising right now are seeing a whole different world than the teenagers that I raised. Now, there were a lot of things going on. But there's a lot of things bombarding them right now. And one of the things I want to say to you, God will provide. God will give you what you need to take care of those kids. For those of you right now who are trying to figure out what you're going to do with the business that you have, oh my goodness, the things that the world has seen and all the struggles that have gone on in the last few years. And folks, there's a lot of businesses that have been shutting down. There's a lot of things that have not been going very well. But here's the question. Have you really thought about the provision of God in your life? Abraham knew the provision of God. And Abraham believed in God. And you're going to find something very interesting about Abraham, which brings us to the next thought that I want you to think on. And this is found in Genesis chapter 15. And this is before we get to the sacrificial thing that that was read to you by Chris. But all of these things were taking place in Abraham's life. First of all, he heard the call of God in his life. Secondly, he believed in God's provisions in his life. And there's a third wonderful message that we find in God's Word when we get to Genesis 15 and we see that he believed in the shield of God in his life. Listen to this. Genesis chapter 15, begin with verse 1. God said to Abraham, I love this, how God just talks to Abraham. I want to tell you something. God talks to me too. And God wants to talk to you. And when God was talking to Abraham on this third occasion, He said this. We look in in chapter 15, and after this, the Word of God came to Abraham in a vision. He said, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. Your very great reward. I want to ask you something. Do you have God's shield in your life today? Do you feel the protection of God around you? Do you feel the comfort of the Holy Spirit surrounding you? Do you know that you can know what it feels like to have the shield of God in front of you? You know, one of the things that I I really love is um, every once in a while, you know, my my son John and I will get on, we'll start looking at historical things. And and, and, uh, there are a lot of great things. There's a lot of junk on the Internet, but there's a lot of good things you can find too. And one of the things that just amazed me was about how the Roman soldiers used to work in battle. And when they went to battle, the Roman soldiers not only had a sword on their hip, but they had a shield to their side. 
And one of the most amazing illustrations that you can find is when you will go to uh, some part of the history there on the internet and look this up, there were variations in how those soldiers of the Roman Empire shielded one another. In fact, when they were going toward a large army, one of the things that they would do is they would put themselves in almost a V-shape. In other words, there'd be one guy in the front and the rest of them, they would have their shields up and they would, they would plow right into the army, uh, into the enemy. There was one thing, there was one uh, practice that they had, they called the tortoise shield. And the way the tortoise shield worked was that all of these soldiers, as they were going toward the enemy, as they were facing the enemy, they would take their shields and there would be a couple of guys in the middle who would hold their shields up like this. And then there would be soldiers all around them with their shields facing outward so that no one could penetrate what they were doing. It was almost like a tank. And as they would go into battle, they were shielding one another. Those who were in warfare understood what shielding your colleague was all about. And when Abraham heard this promise that God would shield him, this takes us on down into this passage of Scripture, and it says this, but Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, this is verse 2 of chapter 15, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate? is a slave. In other words, Abraham saying, Lord, you're saying that you're going to watch over me. You're going to shield me. You're going to make me a great nation. But Lord, I don't even have a child yet. I, I don't have anybody in my life that, that, that can, I can take what you're telling me and then pass it on to them. And listen to this passage of Scripture, verse 4, chapter 15. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is of your own flesh and blood will be your heir. Now listen carefully to this. He took him outside and he said, Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, So shall your offering be. And here's where it gets real interesting. Verse 6. Abraham believed the Lord, and He created it to him as righteousness. What is the greatest shield that you have today? What is the greatest protection that God has given you today? It is faith in Him, just like Abraham had faith. Abraham said, Lord, I don't even have any children, and you're telling me that my people are going to cover the earth and, and that my people are going to be great? Abraham, Abraham heard this from the Lord, and Abraham was getting close to 100 years old. Now you think about that for just a moment. Here is a man that is getting close to 100 years old, and so is his wife, and God is saying to him that I'm going to give the whole world to you. And Abraham said, Lord... I don't have anybody. But then we come to that last verse there in Genesis chapter 15 that I read to you in verse 6, and it said, But Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. I want to ask you something. I want you to think about this with me. How much do you really believe in God. How much do you really trust Him? Are you one of those individuals who say, yeah, I trust the Lord, and then you go to work and you don't talk to Him one thing about the conflicts that you're dealing with at work? Yeah, I believe the Lord. And then you've got a teenager or you've got uh, an adult child in your life who's going through a terrible time and you're thinking to yourself, okay, I can fix this. No, you can't fix that. It has got to be the power of an almighty God that does that. And Abraham, here he's standing, and God is telling him that he is going to be, his, his, his offspring is going to cover the earth. And Abraham says, Lord, I don't even have a child right now. And after Abraham heard that, the Bible tells us in verse 6 of chapter 15 that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Something else about Abraham, Genesis 17, I want you to look at 
So what we've been looking at right now is we see that Abraham heard God's calling. Abraham also understood God's provisions for his life. And Abraham believed in the shield of God that would protect him from his unbelief. And then we come to chapter 17, before we get to that story where Abraham is taking that little boy up on that hillside to sacrifice, we, we understand that Abraham also believes that the changes that God brings into our life are powerful and that God is in the business of changing all of us. Listen to this. Genesis 17 and one verse. Verse 5. No longer... Will you be called Abram? Your name will be called Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. <laughs> I got to tell you something. When I read this story and I hear about this faith of Abraham, I got to tell you, my faith is wimpy compared to the faith that this man had. There are times in my life when I have just absolutely gotten to the place of mental breakdown because my faith was so shallow that I just couldn't believe that God was in control of it all. And here's a man who is now going on 100 years old and God's telling him that he's going to have a child and he's telling his wife that she is going to be... Now, you ladies who are in this crowd, I know nothing about childbirth other than the observation of it, but I want you ladies in this crowd to think about this for just a moment, that if you were 100 years old and God came to you and said, you're going to have a newborn, what in the world would that feel like? I can't imagine what that might feel like. But God said to this old man and this old woman, I'm going to make you the creator of an enormous and unbelievable generation of people and it is going to come from your womb. I can't, I can't imagine what that felt like. And right here before we get to this place where Abraham goes to the mountain and he is going to sacrifice the son. He's taking him up there to sacrifice him. The Bible shows us how Abraham's faith has grown and grown and grown. And then there's one last story you need to look at that's found also in Genesis chapter 18 about God's grace. God's grace. Now what does God's grace have to do with this? This will make sense in just a minute, but I want you to hold on to this idea about God's grace. Now we've talked about God's changes. We've talked about God's shield. We've talked about God's calling. We've talked about God's provisions, but now I want to talk to you about God's grace. God came to Abraham again. And He was talking to him about the city of Sodom. Y'all know the story. Sodom and Gomorrah, how God destroyed it. But Abraham had a nephew who was living in Sodom. And when Abraham began to talk to God about not destroying Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham said, and when you look in chapter 18 and you begin to look at verse 22, the story begins and the conversation is taking place. And so Abraham is talking to God and God is telling Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. And Abraham comes to God and he said, Lord, could it be possible that if I could find 50 righteous people in that city, that you would spare that city? Look at verse 25 in chapter 18. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous from the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? And God said to Abraham, He said, if you can find 50 in that city that are righteous, that are trying to live for me, I'll spare that city. Well, Abraham backs off from that, and he knows Sodom. I mean, he, he knows where his nephew is, and he knows what that city is like. He, he, he's very familiar with it. And then he comes back and he says, Lord, listen to me. I, I don't want to really drag this out, but if I could just find 40 people, or, or, or 45 people in the city, would you spare it? And God said to Abraham, look, Abraham, I'll take five off of the 50. And if you can find 45 people in the city, I'll, I'll spare it. And then Abraham comes to God again and he says, Lord, 
You know, I really don't want to drag this out, but look, if I could just find 40 people in the sea. Can you all imagine how sinful Sodom and Gomorrah was? I mean, after all, God's going to rain down His fire on that city. We know it's going to be destroyed, but can you imagine how sinful that city is? Abraham can't even find 40 people in there. And the story goes on that Abraham is back and forth with God, and he's just saying to him, God, if you could just find... 45. Now he goes to, if he could just find 40. And then Abraham comes back, if I could just find 30. And then he says to God, God, I can't find 30. If I could just find 20, would you spare the city? And then it finally gets down to the very last request that Abraham makes to God. God, listen, if I could just find 10 righteous people in that city, would you save it? And God said, Abraham, I'll do that. And that's where the conversation stopped. Do y'all think he found ten righteous people in Sodom? Y'all know the story. God rained down his fire on Sodom. But one of the things that we see about this particular story, before we get to the idea of Abraham taking Isaac on top of the mountain, is one of the things that screams at us, and it pulled, we pull it from the Scripture. We also find it in Hebrews chapter 11, where some people believe the Apostle Paul may have written Hebrews. What we see in that last conversation that I just shared with you, with Abraham and God, was that we see the grace of of God being shown to a wicked, wicked world. That the graciousness of God was saying, if you could just find 45, if you could just find 40, if you could just find 30, if you could find 20, all right, if you can only find 10, I'll spare that city. I want you to think about something for just a moment. How much in my life and how much in your life has God forgiven us of our sins? I am not worthy of what took place on the cross of Calvary. And the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the Hebrews, I want you to listen to these words of the Apostle Paul. He says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. And even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. Have you ever paid attention to that passage of Scripture? That when Paul was writing to the Hebrew church, that Paul, as he wrote these words, he said that Abraham even knew that even if he gave his son over to God, that Abraham, before the resurrection of Jesus Christ ever took place, that Abraham's walk with God was so close that he knew the Trinity. He knew the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He knew the power and the strength of the Gospel before it ever happened. And Abraham knew that when he was taking that boy on that mountaintop, that his faith in God was so strong and his faith in God was so vibrant that even if he took that dagger and he plunged it into the heart of that child that he loved with everything in him, that his love for his God was stronger and more vibrant than his love for that child. And he knew that if he did that one thing, that God And the power of God would be so strong and so full in that the mighty strength of God would show itself. And Abraham said, Abraham reasoned that God, Hebrews 11, 19, Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in that manner of speaking, oh my goodness, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. When we look... Genesis chapter 22 that I just read you the story about this man, Abraham, taking that boy on top of that mountain to sacrifice him. That that story has, has always amazed me. It's blown me away. Because I got to tell you that when I read this story and I see what is taking place here, I've got to be honest with you. I struggle in my life to have Abraham faith. To have Abraham faith. 
And one of the reasons that I think we all struggle in having the kind of faith that Abraham had is because we don't walk close enough with God to experience God the way Abraham did. If you remember, as I've told you, these passages of Scripture that we've just went through, first, there's got to be a calling in your life. You've got to understand that God has called you. God has called you to be one of His children. And if you've never had that event in your life where you know that God has called you, I remember the call that God placed on my life when I was an eight-year-old kid standing about the second or third pew beside my parents at Floyd's Creek Baptist Church headed into Forest City, North Carolina. You go up 221 and you hit 221A, Floyd's Creek sitting right there to the left as you go heading toward Forest City. I remember I remember hearing the voice of God saying to me that I needed to give my life to Him. The call of God was deep and wide to me as a child. But I'm going to tell you something. I see a lot of people, I come across a lot of folks in my life that when I have a conversation with them, they don't have that moment in their life where they understand the call of God. One of the great things we saw this past summer, past summer, is we saw, oh man, we saw a group of young people and adults come to Jesus because they heard what? The call of God in their life. And when you read this passage of Scripture, you also need to understand this, is that when God calls you just like He did with Abraham, and you hear the voice of God like Abraham did, God is going to provide for you when you can't even explain it. How in the world is God going to make Him the Father of all nations when He doesn't even have a child? And God comes into our lives sometimes, and He gives us the provisions, but He doesn't really show us all of those provisions at one time. And so we hear that... that Abraham heard the call of God. He understood the provisions of God. And then when he heard the call of God and he understood the provisions of God, we also understand in that story that God placed a shield around him. You know, one of the reasons I'm still in the ministry today, it's not because I've liked it every day. I'll just tell you that right now. If it was because I liked it, I would have quit a long time ago. But it is because the shield of God has surrounded me. And the protection of God has kept me in this. And you know the call that God places on your life and the thing that He... By the way, He calls all of us. And it doesn't matter if you're a pastor of a church or you're a businessman or you're a teacher or you're a mom at home. God has placed a call on you. And the call that He has provided for you, let me tell you something. God's going to call you. God's going to provide. But God's also going to put a shield around you. And He's going to protect you just like He protected Abraham. I believe that with everything in my heart. And we will come to a place when we understand God's call and we understand God's provision and we understand God's shield around us that we will have faith like Abraham and that will be counted toward us as righteousness. Not because of the faith that we have, but because of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. When you look at Exodus chapter 22 and you look at verse 8, it says, Abraham answered God Himself will provide the Lamb. When that little boy looked up at Him, now think about this for a minute. When they were going up on that mountain and they didn't have a lamb to, to slaughter, that little boy looked up at Abraham and he said, Father, where's the lamb? Abraham said to that child, God Himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Think, think about that for just a second. Think about the faith that Abraham had as he was looking at that boy. And he had in his hand a torch and he had the sword, the knife for the sacrifice. And that little boy is carrying the wood and the little boy looks up to him I'm sure several times, Father, where, where's the lamb? Where, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham said to that child, God will provide. And that brings us to verse 14. 
As Chris read to you that scripture today, and the last passage of scripture he read to you was in Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. And it said this, that when they got up on that mountain, and Abraham took his knife, he, he, he wrapped that boy up and he laid him on that, that stone. And Abraham took that knife and he raised it up. And he heard once again the voice of God speaking to his heart, acknowledging his faith, and telling him to stop what he was doing. We come to verse 14 and it says this, So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. That's Abraham faith. Believing that God will provide. How did you come here today? What burden did you bring into this place today? What burden are you going to carry out with you today? My question to every single one of us in this place, wouldn't you really love to have Abraham faith? Wouldn't you really love to believe that, that God can save us, God can protect us, God can watch over us, God can shield us, God can do all of those things. Wouldn't it really be great to live life like Abraham so that you have such faith that when you're walking to a mountain and your heart is so heavy and you don't know where God is taking you and like Abraham, you've got a knife in your hand and you don't have a lamb to slaughter and you hear the voice of someone that loves you saying, where's the lamb? And, and Abraham just simply knew, me and the boy are going on the mountain but me and the boy are coming back. Don't ever ignore that passage of Scripture. Our God is a mighty God. Our God is a powerful God. Our God is a significant God. And when we have faith in Him and when we believe in Him, no matter what chaos is going on in our world around us, we must call on the faith of Abraham and ask God to fill us with His Holy Spirit in such a way that our faith is strong. Let me tell you something. You will never have that until you first give your life to Jesus. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to talk to you. I'll be in the hallway out here. Scott makes his way up here to lead us in the song that's going to be sung. I want you to listen to the words. I want you to hear them. And I want you to ask one simple question of yourself. Do I have the faith of Abraham? It first begins in God and your relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, let's all have the faith of Abraham. Let's pray. Lord, what a powerful message we have from Your Holy Word. What a wonderful message Abraham has taught us. Lord, I thank You that Your Holy Word gives us such guidance and such encouragement that in a world that is chaotic and lost, we can have faith like Abraham. So Lord, help us all to live our life that way. Help us all to enjoy what You give us. And help us to understand that Unlike Abraham, we have your Son, Jesus Christ, who is the greatest sacrifice of all on the cross of Calvary. That when we give our life to you through your Son, Jesus, we can understand what Abraham understand before Jesus came on the scene. It's because he knew who you were. And he knew who Jesus was before he was even born in that virgin Mary in the town of Bethlehem. So Lord, bless us today and help us to be people of faith like Abraham. In your holy name I pray.